Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. For now, we hope you enjoy this message. Thanks for tuning in today. Mark 11, turn there. Uh, Mark the 11th chapter, and we're going to begin reading in verse uh, 1. The Bible says, when they, that's Jesus and his disciples, came near to Jerusalem unto Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent forth two of the disciples, and he said, go your way into the village over against you, and as soon as you enter into it, you shall find a colt tied, whereon never man sat, loose him and bring him, okay? And if any man say unto you, why do you do this? Say that the Lord hath need of him. Say this out loud, the Lord hath need of me. Yeah, it really does. And uh, straightway he will send uh, it hither. And so it, it, hap- it, it happened exactly as, they, uh, as Jesus said it would. And the Bible, verse 7 says, They brought the colt to Jesus and cast their garments on him, and he sat upon him. And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches off the trees and strawed them in the way. And they that went before and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord, and blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. Hallelujah. Amen. We just hang about that. And so this, of course, today is traditionally, it is Palm Sunday, and it is the time that we celebrate where Jesus rode, uh, uh, it was a prophetic ride into Jerusalem on the back of a burrow, fulfilling what Zechariah had prophesied 630 years earlier, and here's the prophecy, Zechariah 9.9. He says, rejoice greatly, O my people, shout with joy, for look, your king is coming. How many believe Jesus is returning again? Everybody believe he's returning again. He really, he said he would, and, and he is. And so we need to be not only expecting it and preparing for it and get ready for it. Hallelujah. Because he is coming again, and we're excited about that. That's the hope that anchors us into a greater degree of, of loyalty uh, uh, to him as our king. Hallelujah. So shout with joy for, look, your king is coming. He's the righteous one. He's the victor, yet he's lowly riding on a donkey's colt. Now, the masses gathered that day in Jerusalem, not only to honor the one who spent three and a half years ministering supernatural things to the people from healing to deliverance, casting demons out of people, and even raising the dead. Everybody say amen. Amen. And so they believed, uh, uh, so... Most of all, they believed in their hearts, the crowd did that day, that their time of vengeance and retribution had come, that their king, Jesus, was about to declare war and destroy all their adversaries and deliver them from the political powers of that day. Sounds like today, doesn't it? Amen. Amen. That's what they believed. Their perception, of course, um, wasn't, um, wasn't right. They believed also to, to the degree that they were willing, listen to this, to make a public declaration of their new king and at the same time make a public rejection of Caesar's rule over them. That's called high treason with the sentence of death. So they really were stepping out of of limb because they really believed that he had come to declare war on their adversaries. Adversaries. Acts 1, 6 says this. uh, This was the confirmation of what they were expecting. And this actually, this was asked... After his resurrection, they said to him, Lord, are you going to free Israel from Rome? 
now and restore us as an independent nation. Amen. So that's why they were crying Hosanna. The word Hosanna in the Hebrew is the word Yasha. It means avenger, defender, deliverer, rescuer, savior, and victor. Isn't that awesome? And Jesus, exactly, that's what he was. That's what he would be to them, but not in the way that they thought. Um, Jesus knew that this this uh, victory that he was going to attain for the world would not come by natural means. He understood that this was not a natural warfare. It was a supernatural warfare. It was a spiritual warfare that he would have to face. Now, in Paul's letter to the church at, um, uh, at Ephesus, he addresses what kind of warfare that we, God's people, would be uh, facing and confronted with on this side of eternity, Ephesians 6.12. For we are not fighting, watch this now, I want you to understand this. For we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against persons without bodies, the evil rulers of the unseen world. These mighty, watch this, these mighty satanic beings and great evil princesses of darkness. Now you want, you know, I mean, we knew, we confirm it. Jesus said it would happen through the prophet Isaiah, that darkness would cover the earth and gross darkness the people. These are evil princesses. These are spirits of darkness that are manifesting in the earth through people. Okay, I just want you to know that. They rule this world and, and we're, we're fighting also against huge numbers of wicked spirits in the spirit world. So that's what you have to understand. If you can understand that, then you'll be able to fight uh, not only legally, but wisely in regards to what's coming against you as a person. You are not wrestling or fighting against flesh and blood. Uh, even though every week we have opportunity to fight against flesh and blood. Amen. Imagine, if you will, being there at that time in history and observing the authority and power Jesus walked in. Listen, every sickness, every disease, every demon and death itself was subject to him, as well as the religious and political powers of his day. And so, yes, his followers, for them it was the day of celebration, but not for him. It was a sad day for him. And, and, and we can read, let's read about it here in Luke, the 19th chapter. Before I read this, I want you also to take note that Jesus didn't enter Jerusalem that day inside of an Israeli tank, fully loaded for battle. Instead, he entered the city of peace on the back of a burrow as the humble and subservient prince of peace. Amen. How many believe that Jesus wants you to have peace in your life? He wants you to have peace in your marriage. He wants you to have peace amongst your children. Amen. He wants you to have peace with your neighbors. So Luke 19, Luke gives us an account of this prophetic moment in history. So as Jesus approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and he wept audibly over it. I mean, if you stop for a moment, imagine there's great celebration, great excitement. People are waving their palms. They've, they've laid their garments on the ground for Jesus to walk over because they honestly believe that he was the king that was going to overthrow uh, the cruel uh, governing power of Rome at that time. So they were thrilled about it. And what's he doing? He's weeping. And to really tell you the truth, Jesus was not a man that was out of control emotionally. But he did feel the pain of what was to come. And the Bible says he wept audibly over it, exclaiming, would that you had known personally, even at least in this your day, say my day. my day, amen, the things that make for peace, 
for freedom from all the distresses that are experienced as a result of sin and upon which your peace, your security, your safety, your prosperity, and your happiness depends. Wow, must be pretty important. So as believers, what are the things that make for peace? First and foremost, first and foremost, the manifested presence of God within. The manifested presence. Every one of us know that we have God living on the inside of us. But that doesn't, that, that doesn't conquer the spiritual warfare of our day. It's God's manifested presence within every one of us. If you agree, say amen to that. Amen. Galatians 5.22 says the fruit of the Spirit. Now, there are nine fruit. Remember, it's a singular because they all flow together. You can't have one without the other. For the fruit of the Spirit, the first three are love, joy, and peace. The word peace there is rest, quietness. It means to set at one again. I want you to stop for a moment and think about the warfare that's going on right now in Ukraine and over the Ukrainian people. I'm telling you, there's no rest there. I said there's no rest there. They're fleeing for their lives. They're fleeing for their lives. I mean, you know, what, since the Civil War, we've never had war on our land, you know? And I'm so grateful for that. But war is hell. Let me say it again. War is hell. But guess what? War can be hell in the home. War can be hell amongst our families. Because the same demon power is behind all of it. And Jesus came, praise God. He came into the earth to offer us his peace, even in the midst of chaos, even the midst while everything else is falling apart, you can have the peace of God reigning in your life. Amen. amen. If you believe it, say amen. amen. Love, joy, peace, rest, quietness to set at one again. So there is no peace within. Listen, the relational side of life without the active presence of these three, love, joy, and peace. There's a bumper sticker. We've seen it or people have said on their shirts, no love, no peace. No love, no peace. Warfare has been a part of man's culture since Adam's spiritual fall. Relational warfare, political warfare, social and economic warfare, and God isn't in any of it. I believe with all my heart, listen to me, I believe with all my heart that God, I mean, for you young kids, Go back and study the Constitution. Go back and study all the things our forefathers wrote regarding the governing of our nation. And the Bible is in, the Bible scriptures are full of it. So God wants us to be governed by him. This nation was to be governed by a theocracy, not a democracy. Do you understand that? See, that's why it was, it was uh, whatever, you know, the old, the old saying, um, you know, uh, um, I forgot the old saying. <laughs> yeah, knowledge, you know, um, we can all call it after we see it. But it's hard sometimes to call it when it hasn't happened. That's it. Hindsight 2020. I appreciate that. Amen. But going into, going into Iraq was the worst thing we could have done. Because all it did is created more instability. Why? Because you cannot create a theocracy on Islam. Theocracy works by choosing to honor, to love, to respect and obey the laws of the living God. 
Can I have an amen? I'm just saying that. So God wants this nation governed by people that love him, respect him, honor him, and obey him. But when a nation moves away from God and even puts leadership above God, that's when they get in trouble. And I believe that's what happened in the last election. So let us get back to God and God himself and trust him that things will be different in the coming months. Can I have an amen? Because we put him first. Listen. Jesus wept over Jerusalem because he recognized the devastation of spiritual warfare. He recognized the devastation of relational warfare. Raise your hand on Raise your hand if you, could, if you understand relational warfare. Every one of us do. I mean, if you're married, you understand it. If you have children, you understand it. If you live in a community, you understand relational warfare. Cain and Abel, if Cain would have been just willing to diffuse the warfare that was raging within, he never would have crossed that line and murdered his brother. But listen to this. That's the power of human will, the power of human pride. 1 John 3, 11 talks about it. John talked about it. The beloved John, he wrote some things about Cain. He said, this is the message, the announcement which you've heard from the first, that we should love one another and not be like. We could be, but he doesn't want us to be. And not be like Cain, who, who took his nature. I mean, oh man, you know. Uh, I, I guarantee you that Cain started out loving God, honoring God, obeying God, but in the process of time, slowly but surely moved away from God. And, it, and, and finally to the point where he took his motivation and uh, took his nature and got his motivation from the evil one and he killed his brother. And the question is why? Because his deeds or his works, his involvement in life, he practiced evil wicked, malicious things, and his brothers were righteous and virtuous. In the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, verse 9, Jesus said this, Oh, blessed are the peacemakers, not the war makers. And we are so good at creating war. Just have to say the wrong words out of our mouth. And man, the warfare is real. You can feel it. In your heart, you can feel it. In your relationship, you can feel it. In your home, warfare is hell. So that's why Jesus came into Jerusalem that day and wept over the city because he understood what was coming because they didn't recognize their day of visitation, which we'll read here in a moment. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Luke 19, verse 42 would that you had known personally, even at least in this, your day, the things that make for peace. And I love this. Freedom from all the distresses that are experienced as a result of sin and upon which your peace, your security, safety, prosperity, and happiness depends. Oh, but now, Jesus said, they're hidden from your eyes for a time is coming. 
And it happened in 70 AD. The time is coming upon you when your enemies will throw up a bank with pointed stakes about you and surround you and shut you in on every side. They will dash you down to the ground, you, Jerusalem, and your children within you. When you allow warfare in your, in your, in your life, in your relationships, man, it brings hell against everything, including your children. They, they, they've done studies, and, and we know, we've seen it through the years, where a, a two parents are, are carrying a child, or excuse me, are, are pregnant, and that little child is, is in the belly of that woman, and they've proven that the psychology, the, the psychic of that little child, he's picking up all the warfare that's going on between the parents, and, and comes out way different than he or she should have. They come out colicky. They come out just. They come up just uptight, twisted, bawling all the time. I mean, why? Because the parents didn't understand what they were allowing into that child's life. For someone to live, someone has to die. Die to their own pride, to their own rebellion, their own will. Say this out loud: It's never too late. Amen, it's not. You got to stop the war. You got to stop the warfare. And your children within you, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another. All because you did not come progressively to recognize, know, and understand from observation and experience the time of your visitation. That is when God was visiting you. The time in which God showed himself gracious toward you and offered you salvation through Christ. Isn't that amazing that Jesus, the Bible says in the book of John, that all the books that are written could not contain the miracles that Jesus did in those three and a half years. I've heard people say, oh, if, if, if God would just heal my, my husband or my wife or God would heal this or that, that people would believe. No, they didn't believe in Jesus' day when the, the healing power was right in front of them. That's how powerful the human will is. Thank you, Lord. The time of your visitation. Say this out loud. Today is... My day of visitation. It really is. Amen. It's God's will that you experience the goodness that he's provided in his word, especially his manifested peace. Amen. Paul talked about this in, 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 um, in Philippians 4, and he wrote this from prison in Rome. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Don't worry about anything. Just stop for a moment and think what kind of solitude, what kind of peace would be in our lives if we just wouldn't worry about anything. And we prayed about everything. That's good, isn't it? Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I have no idea what's going to happen in the future. I, you know, every generation goes through, you know, every generation as Americans, you know, every generation has, you know, gone through all the turmoils of having to learn the real values of life, which is God first, Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
Uh, could get into so many things, you know. In Hebrews 4, read Hebrews, the fourth chapter, when you got a moment. Well, if you read chapter 3, read it out of that NLT, the New Living Translation. It's really good. But Paul uh, is writing to the church, and he says, man, you got to enter into rest. You got to rest. In fact, he says, labor to enter into rest. Sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? Labor to enter into rest. I mean, I mean, cast down every anxiety and fear by faith and enter into rest and trust God with your life. This really, I mean, this really is true now that we have journeyed now, you know, 51 years. I got, you know, 51 years of, of salvation, but we've journeyed through this ministry of this wilderness ministry now for 40, over 40, now 41 years uh, in June, 41 years. And so we can affirm to you, to you young people, we can affirm to you that God takes care of us. All through this wilderness, God took care of us, took care, provided for us, watched over us. Amen. Even in the midst of adversity, hardship, pain, sorrow, he's taking care of us. Amen. That's a good place. Let's give God a good shout. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah, he'll take care of you. Why? Because he's no respecter of persons. And my, my goodness, he didn't take care of us because we were ministers. He took care of us because we put him first, loved him as best we could for what we knew at the time and kept growing in him. Hallelujah. Like I say, when I have battles in life, I don't go smoke a joint. Or go take a shot of whiskey. I go to my knees and pray to God. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And even as ministers, when we have great difficulty, we really don't have anybody to go to. I'm seriously, you know. Otherwise, we'll end up on some Christian magazine. There's just gossip, gossip rings. So we go to God. Amen. Our families, of course, know us. Our families know we go through struggles and challenges. But we go to God. Why? Because He's the answer. I said, he's the answer, and he is for you too. And then once you go to him and he communicates with you, guess what? He imparts to you that peace that passes all human understanding. Amen. And so while everybody around you is falling apart, you got the peace and assurance that God's taking care of you no matter what. Hallelujah. You can only collect so much toilet paper before you're wiped out. <laughs> I mean, we can we only... You can only buy so much, and then, then you got to trust God. I'll, I'll move on. I'm turning red, so I'll move on. <laughs> Philippians 4, the Passion Bible, why don't you put that up, Crystal? Thank you. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing, and I am winding down here. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day. Offering your faith-filled request before God with overflowing gratitude. And I did say this in the first service. Not to put anybody, you know, down or anything. But what is the difference? And Randy confirmed this. Angie would confirm this. What is the difference between a first service? It's, it, seems, it seems like we need the manifested power of God's resurrection uh, in that first service. Because it's so quiet and so, uh, not that the people aren't listening and stuff, but it's different. What is the difference between the first service and the second service? Prayer. That 30 minutes of prayer sets the environment 
for this service. Now give God a good clap offering. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Why am I asking you to do that? Because you are benefited. You are, ben- you are being benefited by someone's sacrifice. Someone went over there. They cried out to God on your behalf. Why? Because we, we don't want a dead denominational church. We want a live supernatural church. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. But it doesn't come without sacrifice. It doesn't come without... The same with life. Your children just don't grow up to make right decisions. It, takes, it requires great sacrifice on the part of parenting. But prayer goes forth, praise God, and it sets an environment here for God to touch you in a supernatural way. Why? Because that's what we want. We know that everybody that comes through the doors of that, uh, comes through those doors in the morning, they come for a reason. Yes, you come to love God, but you come to receive something from God. Tell him every detail of your life. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you. Will make the answers, will make the answers known, will make the answers known to you. Come on, hallelujah, through Jesus Christ. So keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic, real, honorable, admirable, beautiful, respectful, pure, holy, merciful, and kind. Fasten your thoughts in every glorious work of God, praising him always. Follow the example of all that we have imparted to you. And watch this. And the God of peace will be with you in all things. Hallelujah. Amen. And amen. Thank you, Lord. We've heard this saying. It's really true. And I, you know, uh, for uh, military-wise, uh, I'm talking about in a nation, uh, you have peace through strength. Uh, President Reagan believed that. We've had some presidents lately that don't believe that. They believe they go on apology tours. And instead of uh, being strong, a strong military lets the big bully on the street know, go ahead, try it, and we'll knock you flat on your forehead. (laughs) Seriously. Well, it's the same spiritually. Peace comes through inward strength. Amen? Peace comes through strength, praise God. You can rest and be assured that God is going to fight your, we sang about it. God is going to fight your battles for you. Amen. Why? Because they're spiritual battles. You can't, I mean, you, can, you, can't, you, know, you can't punch a demon spirit. Thank God you can take authority of that devil tell me to get back into your feet. Amen. It's real. Peace through God's inward strength. Now, I want to close with Ephesians 6. Let's read this. So in conclusion, that's my closing. Be strong in the Lord. Watch this. Be empowered through your union with pastor. Through your union with Randy. No, it's through your union with God. Amen. Amen. Please say this out loud. God loves me. God loves me. me. More than I know. know. He really does. He really, you are his child. I love all the kids here, but I really love my children and grandchildren. I mean, I love all your children, but I really love The joy of my heart is my children and grandchildren. Amen. The joy of my heart. Well, you are God's children. The joy of his heart is you. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So be, be empowered through your union with him. Draw your strength from him. Watch this. 
that strength which his boundless might provides. Put on. So that's your, you, got, you got to do it. You got to put on. Put on God's whole armor, spiritual armor. The armor of a heavy armed soldier. Why? Because the battles will be heavy. Which God supplies that you may be able successfully to stand up against all the strategies and the deceits of the devil. And, and the Holy Spirit in Galatians 5 gives us the most powerful weapons to, to use, which are what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is where the peace of God rules. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning services at 8.30 and 10.30. We also have a midweek service on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.